welcome to Storehouse Church. I'm really glad that you all are here tonight. Hey, Kendra. It's good to see you, hon. Look at you. Looks like you were crying during worship. (laughs) I love that. Don't worry. I won't point anyone else out if they've got puffy eyes. She's just my friend. Um, Shane was weeping. (laughs) We really love to worship the Lord here. Um, He is greatly to be praised. He's worthy of every breath, and he's worthy of every exhale to have attached to it a word of praise, isn't he? We praise him because he's worthy, but um, you know there's this hidden side effect of praising him? He does this weird thing, and then he starts praising us. Have you ever felt that? You're like, Lord, I love you. You're amazing. I I just, I I love to serve you. And he's like, you're amazing. I love you. I love to serve you. Isn't that great? (laughs) um, We are the kind of church where you can offer back comments like hallelujahs and praises. And we had a, I had a guy at a church that I used to be part of, um, his, his exclamatory remark, whenever he agreed with something the preacher was saying, he would go, Jesus on the throne. (laughs) That's when you knew it got good, because old Herb, who's this 70-year-old farm boy that's just solid as a rock and big as a mountain, would say, Jesus on the throne. So yeah, we love to, uh, we love to have fun here. We love to worship long and loud. Um, and we also, something that I love about this church, which I'm, I'm going to um, talk about in, in detail here in a minute, is how we, we love to see people come into the places of their anointing and their influence and, and be released into the areas where they have favor to operate and where they have gifts. Um, and as a, uh, as a leader here, um, this is going to make me sound cool, but, um, <laughs> you know, I am cool. I'm just agreeing with Jesus when I say I am cool. Um, <clears throat> one, of, one of my missions is to help people identify the ways that they are especially gifted and then start giving them opportunities to move into that. Um, and so I see that as um, a sign of a, of, of a leader. It's what the Lord taught me through uh, many years of trying to promote myself, is that when I started promoting other people, he promoted me. And so for the last um, four weeks, this, is, this will be the fourth installment of a little series on leadership that we're doing out there in webcast land. Um, because uh, I've been talking about leadership because I want us to all become more effective and have a more fruitful new year. The first week, um, we talked about how God created us with specific gifts and talents and even birthed us with passions that are peculiar to us or original to us, and they are absolutely needed in the church. You were born for such a time as this. And so the, the first week we talked about... Um, be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. Put Saul's armor on the shelf. 
Just be yourself. You don't have to pretend like you're a different leader in the body of Christ. Wear Saul's armor. You're David. You know, Saul had great armor, but all David knew how to do was throw a stone. How'd that work out for him? Worked out really well. If you know how to throw a stone, throw it. Don't try to wear your leader's armor. Um, okay, and that first week, I'm just going to give a quick recap. That first week, we also talked about how um, if we focus a lot of our energy in becoming well-rounded, we will forfeit the opportunity to be sharp. In other words, as effective leaders and disciples of Christ, we should be making plans to excel in areas where we are strong, uh, in the areas of our passion, instead of becoming good at a bunch of skills that are outside our gift makeup. Identify the gifts of others and delegate them to do the things that you stink at. Otherwise, we're just going to be wasting a whole bunch of time doing, you know... 50% of our lives are going to be doing things that we stink at when we should be doing like 90% of our time should be doing things that we are awesome at. Um, That first week, this was clearly highlighted when um, the first century church, right after the outpouring, it's the beginning of the book of Acts, um, the, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 6, where the, the Grecians come forward. I was just talking to Shane about this. The, the Grecians come forward and say, hey, our people, are, our widows and orphans are being neglected. And the apostles are like, well, we're, we're doing as much as we can here. So pick out seven awesome guys, and they'll be the people that hand out the food and, and take care of the widows and the orphans. Because the apostles, you know what they were good at? Apostling. They were good at apostling. The apostles had the apostles' teaching. They were the people that had the most contact with Jesus. And so they were commissioned to talk about what they had seen and heard. That's all, that's all they wanted to do, and that is what they were gifted to do. They were not gifted to be waiters. There's nothing wrong with being waiters, because the people that were appointed to be waiters really loved being waiters. They were great at waitering. Do you know, too, the people that became the, the a.k.a. deacons? Do you know, too, the people... They're real famous in the book of Acts. Philip? Who's the other one? Stephen. See, the apostles recognizing that they stink at being waiters and appointing other people to be the waiters actually gave those guys the opportunity to shine in such a way that an entire chapter of eternal scripture is devoted to Stephen and how he created a revival. And then Philip as well. Isn't that awesome? Um, so that's just to, let's, let's delegate. Let's let it, let us delegate in the, in the coming year. Okay. And then the, the next week, this is week two. We talked about, um, the difference between traditional leadership in the marketplace and what leadership looks like in the kingdom. Leaders in the marketplace, a CEO gets served a lot by the underlings, the, everyone that works for him, um, or the, the owner of the company, they're all being served by everyone under them. What does it look like in the kingdom? You flip that pyramid upside down because that leader is serving. Jesus even talks about this. Um, I think it's Matthew 23 when he says, don't call anyone on earth father because you have one father in heaven. Don't even call anyone on earth teacher because you have one teacher. His name's Jesus. Whoever exalts himself is going to be humbled, but the servant of all is going to become the great one. Okay, so 
The, the leaders are the ones that serve like crazy. It's, it's a backwards kingdom. Um, this is obviously highlighted by the life of Jesus. Did he come like a traditional king to be served? He did not. <laughs> Tis the season. Jesus came in a manger. <laughs> Jesus on the throne. Jesus, it, this guy couldn't get low enough. He left, he left the throne room and came as a weak baby born to a teenage unwed girl who is on the run from the law in a manger. And it's not like a, a pretty manger with, you know, with like a down comforter. It's, it's a cattle feeder. There's animal smell all around. And this is how the king of glory came into our realm. And then uh, he just got lower and lower. Even, even when he had tons of people following him, became famous, had all this notoriety in John 6, he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or else you have no eternal life. And in that moment, he lost thousands upon thousands of people that were following him because he was obedient to the word. The only people that were left was his ragtag 12. But he couldn't get, that wasn't low enough for him. In John 13, Verse three, this is what it says. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under him and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel on his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet. Isn't it interesting that the beginning of that passage, it says, Jesus knew that the father had put everything under his feet. And he got up, took off his outer garment, and got under their feet so that nothing would be above them. So that's what a real leader does. A real leader knows that he has authority. He or she has authority, has been placed in uh, positions where they have influence, and they get under people's feet so that everyone gets lifted up and everyone has influence. That's what Jesus does. <clears throat> and then last week, week three, we talked about how it's really important to honor our leaders. Uh, let me put it like this. Does anyone in here want to lead a mediocre life where you do not impact society or influence culture? Hands up for people that want to go off into obscurity never to be known. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, everyone in here wants to be great. Do you know why? Because our Papa is great, and we want to be like Papa. He made us with that desire to be great because he is great. He is not actually magnified in our obscurity and smallness. When he when he promotes us and elevates us into positions, whether it's in the public eye where you're over mountains of authority on earth or in the hidden place where you've been placed on mountains in the heavenlies and your prayers affect heaven and earth, he is glorified and magnified when we are glorified and magnified because everyone's going to say, who made that? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, if you had a child and they were, you know, on the soccer team or football team and you knew they were amazing, but you, you didn't want the rest of the kids to feel bad, would you counsel your child, hey, would you hold back a little bit? Because all the, all the rest of the kids feel really awful because you're amazing. No. And when, and when your child has a stellar game where they just shine above everyone else and bring home the gold, you'll, you'll hear people in the stands next to him saying, who does that kid belong to? Who are his parents? Who's the daddy? <laughs> so when you get elevated and you're in those places where you shine, the world's going to be asking, who's the father? Whose kid is that? Okay, so um, we want to honor our leaders because we expect to be in positions of leadership, right? That's what we all didn't raise our hand for. We want to be great. We want to be in those positions of authority. And if you are, let me put it this way, if I am disrespectful, dishonoring, and, dis, and disloyal to my leaders, my bosses, uh, my government, when I eventually get promoted into positions of leadership, what kind of people are following me, do you think? People who are dishonest, disrespectful, and disloyal. And I'll think... God, what have I done that you've given me these terrible workers? This, these awful followers, all they do is slander and complain and question my authority. And he's like, uh, do you remember the last decade of your life where you were slandering, complaining, and dishonoring your boss? You kind of you reap what you sow usually in the universe. I mean, by usually, I mean always. It is a... <laughs> It is a law of the universe that is so true and, and that even, even unbelievers know about it. They just call it other things like karma. It's reciprocity. It's reaping and sowing. Okay, so we want to honor our leaders because eventually we are going to be leaders and we don't want to have people following us like we followed our leaders badly. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm saying that terribly. <clears throat> and so this week, week four, I want to talk about the function of an overseer. Um, in the Bible, everyone knows there are prophets mentioned many times in Scripture. Well, do you know, before they were called prophets, they were called seers. 26 times in Scripture, prophets were called seers, all the way up until uh, 1 Samuel 9.9 and 9.19 says, Formerly in Israel, when one went up to see a prophet, they would say, I'm going to see the seer. And so prophet and seer are synonymous. So if you are an overseer, that means you have prophetic sight, you see over. You see over people, their gifts, their callings, the, the things that they're great at doing, and as an overseer or a leader, you position them where they're going to be the most effective. It's a prophetic gift. This doesn't mean that um, as a leader, 
It doesn't mean that you recklessly hand over positions of authority, but it does mean that you make opportunities for promotion. You make opportunities for your friends to shine. Believing in them and giving them endless chances when you see a teachable heart. And so I've seen a couple people around here that are incredible in many ways, and uh, in a couple specific ways that I, I wanted to be shared with us tonight is in the way that they are able to communicate the heart of God, be funny, and look good while doing it. <laughs> um, the, we're going we're gonna to hear from Shane Cameron tonight. Yeah. And we're also going to hear from Lexi. Um, Shane's got awesome stories. He's going to talk about what he's, he's learned in the realm of leadership through several different ways. I'm not going to tell his stories for him. So Shane Cameron, why don't you come on up? Take it away, brother. Hi. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, hold on, let me get my little... I went all analog today. I'm not cool enough to have a Mac yet, so... Maybe upon subsequent times. Um, <laughs> I'm shooting for one of those three. Hi, everybody. Hey, Shane. I'm Shane, in case you don't know. Uh, how am I supposed to start this? However you want, man. Hi, guys. Um, so we're going to talk about leadership, right? I guess we'll just dive in. Um, so for me, the whole time I was talking, it just kind of reminded me of about our identity. And I think one thing I've struggled with and I've overcome is really to understand who you are, it, it, like as a leader, you have to understand identity of who you are in Christ. What? Do I have to like eat the mic? All right, sorry. So I'm going to preface this uh, with a quote from this guy named Seraphim of Sarov. He's a crazy monk from like the 18th century in Russia. So you know he's serious about what he does. Uh, <laughs> the dude took like a 15-year like vow of silence. He was nuts. Anyway, he wrote a book called The Acquisition of the Holy Spirit in the early 1800s. Um, so this is him. He said, God breathed the breath of life into the face of Adam, which is Genesis 2-something. Uh, uh, and he says, it doesn't mean that there's neither human soul nor spirit in Adam. Um, all of these parts uh, of our nature were created from the dust of the ground, and Adam was not created dead, but an active being like all of God's animals uh, living on earth. The point is if God had not breathed his life, that is the grace of our Lord God, the Holy Spirit, Adam would have remained without the Holy Spirit within him. It is the Holy Spirit that raised him to God-like dignity. Though he was superior to all the creatures and crowned king, this breath made him in the image of God, which means forever immortal. Uh, everything was subject to Adam as the beloved of God. Uh, and I, I struggled a lot with like my identity and who I was um, so part of that led me to joining the military, uh, the United States Army, if you can believe it. Oh, God. So um, I'm going to kind of talk a lot about my experience. I did not check what time I came up here. I'm supposed to have 10 minutes. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, I know how long it was. I promise. All right. So anyway, I joined the, mil the United States military about five years ago. Um, and God really showed me, among other things, a revelation of identity and who I am in Christ from being yelled at by a lot of really mustachioed, sweaty, scary men. So um, part of the military, right, is you go to basic training. Uh, and one of the first tenets when you first get there is they teach you that if one person screws up, everybody gets punished. So, for instance, if Jeremy, like, forgets to tie his boots the right way, 
all of us, if we're all in basic training, would all get punished. And it was the most infuriating experience of my life. Because if I did something wrong, I got punished. Awesome. But if I get punished because of what he did, oh my God. Uh, and then there was those guys, those select few people who got punished, who got, did things wrong so many times, they weren't even punished. They had to stand and watch as everybody else. It's called getting smoked, where you have to do push-ups and sit-ups and running like until you throw up. Uh, called getting smoked. Um, and I was one of those people. Yes. Uh, so the idea being, uh, everybody, if, if you're going to join the military, which I'm sure most of you will do, uh, one of the advice almost everybody says is that you keep your head down, you do what you're supposed to do so that no one will know your name. They say if you know your name, you've done something wrong, right? It's 10 weeks, you just have to just push through it. Um, the entire company of about two or 300 people, the commanders, knew my name within two weeks. Um, and it taught me that uh, sometimes your leadership qualities get you in trouble, kind of like Joseph. Joseph was prophesied that he was going to do something great at the age of 17, and like a genius, he started just parading around his brothers, um, and he was punished for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and here's the thing is that if you're born again, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a leader automatically. Um, uh, in Galatians 3.27, says, For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, you have also put on Christ. Romans 13.14 says, Put on ye the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So we've all put on Christ. If you accept him as your Savior, you've put him on, which means your identity is forever changed, and you're automatically a leader. That as soon as that happens, when you walk into a room, you affect that atmosphere. Everything in the spiritual realm just hold, you've, you're like, Jesus, I love you. You put a big target for the rest of eternity on your, on your chest. And sometimes we get scared, and it's not about that because we have that authority and power to claim over that. Um, what was I going to say? I went off my notes, obviously. So I'm obviously doing something right, right? Um, back to the military, right. Um, so I get my uniform, Right, <clears throat> my that sweet uniform. Shay loves it, by the way. My wife. Uh, but I kid you not. Listen, I know it's probably a little shocking that someone like me is in the military. But if you see me in my uniform, I'm a completely different person. I'm no longer like Shane. It's Specialist Cameron. But there's a difference. Uh, soon to be Sergeant Cameron, maybe. Uh, but seriously, uh, when I put on that uniform identity changes and who I am and how people treat me. When I, when I go up to Starbucks as this guy, it's like they treat me differently than how I walk in in my uniform. When I go to the airport, uh, when I'm just sitting, like doing nothing, people walk up and thank me. People will stop and notice. And it's like, guys, I'm like, I'm just here. Because they assume that I'm either coming from somewhere or I'm going to somewhere. Or going somewhere, going to somewhere. Going somewhere. All they see is a mission and direction. And it's intoxicating. And that's who we are. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, I think that's it for me. Thank you and good night. Isn't he awesome, guys? So good. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, you can sit. You did, you did really, really well, man. I'm no longer scared about the choice I made to do this tonight. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I knew he was awesome. Um, so 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says that 
What should we say then, brothers? When we gather together, everyone brings something. You bring a teaching, a psalm, a a tongue, an interpretation of tongue, a revelation about Christ. And so that's what we're doing tonight. I love doing this kind of stuff. The next person with the revelation of Christ is a lovely young lady named Lexi Dunbar. Come on up, Lexi. All right, what you got for us? Okay, so um, when I came back to the Lord, probably my, wow, that light's really bright. Um, My junior year of high school, um, I had grown up in the church and everything. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to go all in. And I remember meeting with my pastor at the time, telling her, I really feel a call to the ministry. Um, And the first thing she said to me was, uh, real leaders serve. And that's something I'll never forget. And that has really affected the way that I live my life because I want to be great. And so I try to serve greatly. And I don't say that to be prideful, but I'm really good at serving. It's something I'm very intentional about. And so I just want to honor actually two people who are currently discipling me as phenomenal leaders in my life. have taught me so many things. Um, The first person you guys probably don't know, um, it's a woman named Mrs. Karen Ellis. She is married to the Dr. Carl Ellis, who basically they're like the Heidi Bakers of the black community, if you kind of want to put that in perspective, Um, because I'm black. Anyways, so so, um, but these are like... They're known all over the world. They go all over the world and speak. Um, Mrs. Ellis right now is getting her PhD at a school in Oxford, um, fully funded. They're brilliant. And I've met them a couple of months ago, and they were like, man, we love you. We want to be in your life in very practical ways. And so a couple of weeks ago, those of you who know me, you know I'm in seminary. I've been taking Greek, and I had a Greek final last week. Um, And Mrs. Ellis was like, let's Skype. Um, Because she went to the parent school of my school. And so she was like, let's Skype. I'm going to prepare you for this final. Everything that you need um, a week before every semester, I want you to come out, fly out, come see us. Let us teach you what you need to know for this next semester, give you all the resources and everything that you need. So that way you go in and you prepared and and you'll be better than everyone else, basically. Um, And so that's something that, I mean... These, like it's it was baffling to me because it's like wait like do you know who you are like and and through this relationship the Lord is showing me that like greatness attracts greatness and and that's something that when Shane was talking about identity that's something that I've been seeing through this is that so often I remember when they first decided to be in my life I was telling my roommates I kind of feel like uh, Mephibosheth you know the the crippled uh, son at David's table and my roommates were like but you're not you're actually a king. That's why you've been invited to the table. And so um, now for the person who's discipled me that you guys do know, she's not here tonight, but um, Cece. So I've been living with them. (laughs) She's amazing. Um, Cece is one of the most amazing leaders that I've met in my entire life. If you talk about somebody who serves well, who sees you rightly, who calls you out on your stuff and at the same time tells you, hey, this is how you're acting currently, but this is who you really are, so maybe you should line up with that. Um, My life has been changed um, just being under CeCe's leadership, and I tell her all the time, I don't follow you because of things that you say because she's not like me where I I basically talk for a living, but... um, (laughs) um, But when she speaks, it's powerful. 
And I tell her all the time, I follow you because of the way you live your life. I see the way that you serve when you don't want to, when you're tired. I see the way that you respond when somebody's been rude or been hurtful. I see the way um, that, that you understand the heart of the Father, something that I, I, I've yet to understand. I, like, there's been times where things have happened in her life, and I've seen in these past couple of months of living with her um, things that I would respond completely differently because I've yet to really fully grasp the understanding of the Father's heart. But I look, and, sh- and she'll respond, and I'm like, man, you really know him as your father. And I want that. I want that. I'm so hungry to understand God the way that you understand and you live your life as a daughter of the king. And, and it's crazy to me. It's baffling. And, and so I say all that to say, Jeremy said, you know, we're going to talk about leadership. Something that has affected me is just the service of these leaders, these people in my life who go low, who serve, who, who, who call out the greatness inside of you, who consistently remind you who you are. Um, and it's, it's changed me. And I'm just super grateful. And that's it. Awesome job, Lexi. And Lexi is, um, she's so brilliant. Um, I'm really proud of how she's decided to continually risk. She moved here just because she heard about Encounter Jesus School, and she decided to do it, and then she felt called from the Lord to go and get her master's in divinity, and we're like, what, are you sure? <laughs> I honestly tried to talk her out of it, but <laughs> but that was just a test. I knew that she like she was meant to do it. But if I could talk her out of it, then, you know, um, that's not what good leaders do. Okay, where am I? What am I talking about here? Lexi, you're amazing. Thanks for sharing with us tonight. Um, Something that she said that stuck out to me was how um, when those those awesome leaders, the Ellis's, is it Carl Ellis? Dr. Carl Ellis and his wife took a liking to her and recognized the greatness in her she was internally thinking, don't you guys know who you are? And obviously what they're saying is, you don't know who you are, do you? Don't you know who you are? Um, And something, leaders that have really transformed my life are the ones that believe in me when I haven't believed in myself. Because what that does is, I see that they're awesome, and I trust their opinion and their opinion seems to be that they think I'm awesome. So obviously someone here is wrong. <laughs> and it's the guy that I'm pointing, I'm the one that's wrong. And they're right. They see the greatness in me. I, I respect their opinion. So I guess my belief is going to have to change. They believe in me so much that I have to start believing in myself. That's a really good leader. Um, what I wanted to do tonight... Um, and I, like kind of along the lines of what Shane was talking about, I was inspired when he started talking about the army. I would like us to stand and salute Jesus and join the army of the Lord. <laughs> We've never done this before. We are not like the stand and salute Jesus church. If you are a first time visitor, we're just going for this. <clears throat> A term hut. All right, repeat this prayer after me. 
Jesus, you are my commander in chief. From this day forward, I will obey you. And I will believe your opinion about me. If you say, I am great, I will say, yes, sir, I am great. (laughs) And today I sign up in your army to advance your kingdom all over this world. While you stretch forth your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of the Holy Servant, Jesus. Salute. (laughs) A.K.A. Amen. If anybody needs, (laughs) yes, you can clap for him. If anybody needs prayer for healing or a word from the Lord, uh, come on up and we will lay hands on you. We do believe, according to the word, that when we lay hands on the sick, they'll get healed. If we lay hands on the injured, they'll get healed too. Uh, Other than that, enjoy yourselves, make some friends, and have a great night. We love you guys.